Give Jesus a great big hand clap all over this place. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's great to be back in the United States of America, which is down to about three states, but you're one of them. It's going to be, be a great weekend. I watched, uh, before you're seated, I watched my wife preach last night. I just turned, I, hey, I turned it on, um, I turned it on YouTube just to see what the church was like and to make sure she was doing all right. And uh, it was so good, I ended up watching it for the whole two hours because I was in New Mexico two hours behind. I watched it through the whole thing. What a great service last night. And I'm proud of her. Did a great job. How many of you are ready for the Lord to do something great in your life? Can you say amen? You can be comfortably seated. I just went, and thanks to your, your pastor for having me in. Very, uh, there was about 10 years starting off in the ministry where I wondered if it, you know, you wonder if it's going to work or not. Because I, my next meeting would be my last meeting every time that another one would open up. And now, now it's a different story, but I don't take it for granted that somebody uh, opens up their church for you to preach because that's a big deal. You know, you can ruin somebody's church in a weekend pretty much. And um, I appreciate your, your pastor having me in. And then I met people that knew him in New Mexico, and he's a Rama graduate, which anybody that likes Brother Hagen's a friend of mine. And anybody that doesn't like Brother Hagen can kiss off. Amen. <laughs> Um, so I went to New Mexico, I was supposed to be there for one week, and uh, the way that meeting went, it was, I went there in December and we had a great meeting, but the meeting was the week before Christmas. So New Mexico at that point, in December of last year, was uh, one of the strongest lockdown states, because basically the rule was if you challenged them closing the church... They held the church to the standard of what the governor did with everyone else. Well, that governor literally closed everything. I mean, the Starbucks drive through was closed. By the way, that guy that just came to the front row, he can do whatever he wants. He's a gold gloves boxing champion, so just give him some room. I know that guy. Um, got quick hands. You know, when you come to a church like this, you almost hope somebody attacks you. There's like 90 people in the crowd that can take care of themselves. So... Hey, goodness, man, a lot of people that I know are here. God bless you all. Um, so I knew the meeting was going to be good because in March, so December we couldn't extend, even though churches weren't allowed to have more than 20 people because grocery stores weren't even allowed to have more than 20 people. It was one of those states that made people wait in line to go to the grocery store. We had 880 people on the closing night in December, and you weren't allowed more than 20. It was a $1,000 fine per person. We had 880 with uniformed police officers sitting in the crowd listening. Like they weren't there to cause trouble. They were there. And uh, we couldn't extend, though, because, you know, Christmas was the next week, not necessarily the best week to do a, a revival meeting. So he scheduled me, the pastor there, his name's Dean Shropshire. He's a Word of Faith pastor as well. He scheduled me to come back in December the same week. Well, I was driving one day in March, and it just came up in my spirit. I was going to broadcast, and I thought, I wonder if he'd be open to moving it to summer because then we'd have room to maneuver if the place packs out again. And so I, I just thought about that, and I went to go broadcast. Well, I finished the broadcast, and they said that he had called, and he said, 
he was thinking, would you be open to coming in the summer? Because that way, if the meeting blows up, we'd have, we'd have room to extend the meeting. You know, and I never called him or anything. So that's the Holy Ghost. So we switched it, and I came uh, three weeks ago, and the thing kept growing. And so uh, I think at the end of the first week, the town only has 48,000 people, and there's no surrounding towns. We had 89 first-time visitors that came forward to give their life to Jesus Christ, not counting recommitments, not counting like people that, that felt convicted. 89 people that had never been to the church before. And then so we, he, he wanted to go a second week, and we did that, and then we went a third week. So last night we finished it. Just under 200 people from that town that had come forward to receive Christ that had never been to church before. And then obviously recommitments were a few hundred more and all that. And a lot of them got baptized in the Holy Ghost. After the first week, we started to have a lot of people testify that they were healed of cancer. I think we ended up with about five. Some were leukemia. Some had, I think one lady had a tumor and the tumor went and another lady had multiple tumors. And after prayer, I'm not talking prayer and then after four months of chemo, she was better. I'm, talk, I'm talking, you know, the, the Lord drove the cancer out of people's bodies. Well, when you're in a little town and, and when you get out west, you know, it's like if you're here. Every town has a bunch of people. So you go to Orlando, Orlando has a bunch of people. Then you go to Champions Gate, that has a bunch of people. But you go out west, there's like one town, and you drive outside of the town, and there's nothing else but roadrunners for about an hour and a half. So when you stay for three weeks and keep doing meetings, it's, it, it starts having an effect on the town. And, uh, you know, I was going to the gym while I was there, which you can't tell, uh, I go to the gym every day. No one has ever worked harder to have a, 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 a below average body like mine. I look like a, a Bob Barker with a younger face. So my trainer told me the one night, she goes, uh, half of my clients haven't been showing up for our night women's fitness class. And I, I said, oh, that, that, she said, yeah, I asked them. They're all going to listen to you preach at the church. So it starts at, where, where that's the biggest event that's happening in the town. So then we started getting the people healed. Then, we, then you just start having all kinds of awesome testimonies. Like this, this lady had written us that her, her boyfriend was on, uh, what drugs was he on? The ones that are getting married. Cocaine, meth, Cocaine, meth and alcohol. So that's about all. It'd probably be easier to list the drugs you're not on at that point. <laughs> and um, she asked him to come to church, and he said he wouldn't go and got in a, a, a fight with her. If you could please pray for him. Well, then it ends up, he comes, gets saved, gets baptized in the Holy Ghost. Then he, then he proposed, where'd they propose at? At Applebee's. I like that. Straight class. That's a regular Frank Sinatra move right there. <laughs> so, and then they got married today. And then, you know, we paid for the honeymoon. They're going to send them to Florida. Where else are you going to go? All these other states are like the Soviet Union, for crying out loud. Got bread lines and everything. So, uh, I mean, just stuff like that. So you got that couple sitting there beaming and big smile and, and, and married now. It's been great. See, I grew up like that. A lot of you, I know a lot of you know me, but a lot of you probably don't. And uh, my dad's an evangelist. My dad's been preaching for 45 years. We didn't get an apartment till I was uh, six, five or six. So we would just do one meeting Sunday to Friday, travel Saturday, do Sunday to Friday. A lot of times the meeting would get extended. And, and that's what I grew up in. There were churches that had to immediately put an addition on the church after my dad left. 
because they'd have like a hundred. You know, when I, when I say people getting saved, I'm not talking about recommitments. I'm talking like he'd go to a church of 200, and in two weeks they'd have 180 new people saved attending the church. So the church doubles inside and says they'd have to throw some, like blow out a wall. You know how Christians would do like with no permits. Get like two volunteers, one of them senile, to b- b- build a thing on the wall. That, that's how we did things back then. And uh, that's revival. That there's, there's a gift. The Bible says there's five ministry gifts. The, uh, when, when Christ died, he, he uh, descended to the lowest parts of the earth, took the keys, and gave gifts unto men. And the gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These are for the, the building up of the church and the perfecting of the saints. So most Bible colleges you, you go to in the United States, and then I was going to say, I don't know, Canada and Europe, I don't even know if they have Bible colleges anymore. But when you train for the ministry, they funnel everybody to be either a youth pastor, missionary, pastor, worship leader, Christian education. But those aren't the five ministry gifts. Apostle, prophet, and a lot of times if I just mention this, people get interested. There's a book... Uh, by Lester Summerall called Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. And that's a great book where he goes through the teaching of it. But apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These are for the building up of, of the saints, the perfecting of the saints and the building up of the church. So they all offer something. Apostle, I'm not going to do, do it. If I end up going into that, then I'll just, that'll just be the whole sermon. But evangelist is a gift that God gives. There's only one on record in the Bible and uh, his name was Philip. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 8, Philip went to Samaria. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Philip went to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles that he did. Then it tells you what kind of miracles. For many that were crippled were healed, and many that were demon-possessed, the demons left screaming as they left their victims. And then the next sentence says, so there was great joy in the city. Everybody say great joy in the city. Now, I I was only in in Hobbs, New Mexico three weeks, but it started to get to that point where our team would go to order tacos from the street taco truck, and the owner didn't go to the church, but she'd say, are you with the preacher that's at that church? Are you on his team? You can have the tacos for free. Great job. And then people at the gym start hearing about it. This is the hour of the church. Take take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 2. I was thinking when I was in the front row, it'd be like a Christmas present to me if the Lord would open it up for me to be able to meet uh, your governor, Ron DeSantis, because I'm here for a week. And when I heard him talk, I'm from a city called Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh has a very unique accent. I can, and I've lived there, then I moved away from there. You know, if you live a place, you don't notice the accent, but if you move away then and come back, you notice it. So I can spot that accent from anywhere. I had a telemarketer call me one time, and halfway through their speech, I said, what part of Pittsburgh are you from? And it freaked them out. You know, it wasn't a word of knowledge. I was just the, just the accent. So I was listening to Ron DeSantis talk, and he has a thick Pittsburgh accent. He doesn't have a Florida accent. So I looked it up on Wikipedia. He was born and raised in Florida. 
So I, that didn't make, I knew he had to be from some kind of Pittsburgh roots because of that accent. And I looked it up, his grandparents are both from right by where I live. And I like that guy. You know, here's the thing with most politicians. In general, they don't like pressure. So whatever their original opinion is, if you give enough pressure, they change. I've watched that guy for 18 months pick an unpopular position and stick with it and get stronger on it. I mean, that's that's like an old school preacher. And I like that guy. I'll tell you, after last year, I don't really care much what somebody's religion is. I care if they're for freedom. I could get along better with an atheist that's pro-First Amendment, pro-Second Amendment, pro-Fourth Amendment than I could a so-called Christian that's for communism. So I don't, I don't really care much what his church background is, but I'd like to meet him, and I'd like to let him know that he's got another guy from Pittsburgh that's praying for him. Because that guy, now if he'd have lost the election, remember this, he only won the election by a handful of thousand of votes. And if the other guy won, you guys would have been no different than New Jersey or New York or California. And basically, Florida screwed up the plans of the World Economic Forum which was to lock everybody down in lockstep because you had this one state. Now, obviously, Christy Nome didn't, but it's, it's South Dakota, so it's not a big population state. But when you have Florida that won't go along with the vaccine passport, and then he not only didn't go along with it, he said there's going to be a $5,000 fine every any time any company requests one. Well, if you do that in another state, it might not be a big deal, but you know, you have Orlando Airport here, Miami Airport. Florida, Florida is, is an epicenter, and since last year, it's become more of an epicenter. Miami's actually starting to replace New York City as the fashion capital because you can get more square footage, and, and the, govern, the government allows the people to shop in the store, which is a big plus if you own a, a business. So, so him putting that cog and then all the pressure, it's not like he's just getting pressure federally. Everybody wants him to collapse because in taking the stance that he's doing, it's proving that the way the other people are doing things is wrong. Then, of course, you guys had a bunch of heat the last three weeks because your cases went up. But the cases, once that COVID got out, I'm not speaking as a faith healer right now. I'm speaking as just like a guy in a blue suit. <laughs> once that disease got out of the lab in Wuhan, it's, it's not going away. And it's going to be seasonal. So everywhere it hits, it takes a three-week sharp rise, and then falls off a cliff. So right now, all the cases are falling off a cliff in Florida, and and he didn't cave. He didn't say, well, I made a mistake. No, he took one course and stuck with it. That's what leaders do. That's what your pastor did. Your pastor said he's going to stay open. He stayed open. That's what you do. You don't wet your finger and see which way the wind's blowing and change your mind every 15 minutes. And this isn't a leadership seminar, but since there's preachers here and business leaders, when you do that, when you do it correctly, you gain a thing called credibility. And credibility, one old guy that I, that I like that I'm friends with said, credibility is currency because people learn they can trust you. You know, if I come here this week with Adolis as my wife and then I come back in two years and there's a new lady, that hurts your credibility because you start wondering what's going on behind the scenes. But when, when you remain constant and steadfast, you know, the man that trained your pastor in ministry, Kenneth Hagin, started off with his wife, Aretha, at 20, whatever he was, 
And when he passed at 85, he, that was his wife. He preached the same thing at 20 as he did at 85. He wasn't on the blood moons one year and then prophesying that Trump's going to get being sworn in the White House January 21st. That's called credibility. You pick a course and you stick with it. If you went to hear Kenneth Hagin preach, you knew he was going to preach on what? If you go to hear Billy Graham, you knew he was going to preach on what? So if you go to preach, hear Oral Roberts preach, he's going to preach on what? Healing. So it's credibility, and that's what leaders do. And a lot of people, and they're not wrong, a lot of Christians got shaken last year because their leadership was all over the map. You can't, you can't follow people like that. We just bought a church in Pittsburgh that was a, a I won't say what denomination, but it rhymes with Lutheran. It's not important what the denomination is. They, did, they, locked, they locked down, shut the church. When they opened back up, they had 11 people, which wasn't enough to keep the church functioning. They put it up for sale. And I knew churches, I had the Lord speak to me, that God was going to take, now God doesn't work through disease. Jesus is a healer. He's not a killer. I believe God is sending COVID. Well, you're confused. Because you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, everything about Jesus Christ represents the will of the Father exactly. That's how it says it in the New Living Translation. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see the will of God the Father in action. Jesus said, I only say what I hear my Father say, and I only do what I hear my Father do. So if you're going to say that sometimes God uses sickness to perfect us, then you need to find me somewhere in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where Jesus found a healthy kid running around enjoying life and then laid his hand on him and gave him leukemia or something. But you're not going to find that. He didn't put his hands on, on healthy people and make them sick. He put his hands on the sick and made them well. And the Bible says in the Old Testament, I am the Lord God and I change not. And then the New Testament equivalent, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, everybody say the same. The same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. The Christ you read about in the Bible is the same Christ there is today. When you start hearing people talk about how God's changed and we don't believe God does that anymore and we don't believe God does miracles, if that was true, he wouldn't be the great I am. He'd be the great I was. But he's the great I am. He healed people in the Old Testament. He healed people in the Gospels. He healed people in the book of Acts. And he heals people now. You know, a lot of those people, if, if, if you came in late, we had about, I think, five different people that brought the reports in three weeks that the cancer had completely cleared out of their body. A lot of them were Catholic people. But you know, Catholic people are very easy to get healed, a lot easier than a lot of Protestants. Because you have Protestants that question miracles, and we don't know about that. But Catholics believe in miracles. I mean, they burn their toast and see Mary's face in the, in the toast. <laughs> you can work with that. Because God, God is a supernatural God. Say it out loud. God's a supernatural God. I want you to know you taking time to be here on Saturday night and driving through the rain, heavy rain. I know you probably are used to it, but it's still heavy even though you're used to it. You could be anywhere. Some of you used to be anywhere on a Saturday night. But you're not anywhere tonight. You chose to be in God's house. And God has a blessing for you. I said God has a blessing for you. There are people... And I've never forgot this since I started in the ministry. 
There's people that require a, a miracle. To live, they don't need one to be nice. Those people I prayed for that were sick, uh, uh, that old lady full of tumors using a walker, not because she was crippled or old, but the chemo and cancer had weakened her body. There's nothing the devil has done to you that God can't do something about it tonight. He's a mighty, mighty God. I said he's a mighty God. And I think I'm just going to flow like that on this Saturday night, my first night with you. Whatever the devil has tried to do, particularly these last 18 months, as he's trying to choke the people of this world and mess with their money and disease, I want to tell you there's nothing the devil has tried to do to you that the power of God won't knock out of your life in one night. You're only one prayer away from a miracle. The name of Jesus is still greater than all the curse of the devil. If you believe it, can you shout amen like thunder? Amen. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. In the last days, what days are we in right now? In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all, the most important place on earth. It will be raised above all other hills. And people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from many nations will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. Everybody say people from many nations. I mean, you go around the room right now. I don't make any effort to try to reach out to people of other uh, races or ethnicities and try to get like a diverse crowd. And look at the crowd. The United Nations has less diversity than this church service. Because the Bible says part of what's going to happen is that, that people from all nations are going to stream into the mountain. We have Ukrainian people here. We have Russian people here. We have West Africans here. Co- uh, uh, Costa Rica, on down the line. Puerto Rico, regular old vanilla white people. But they count too. We, we got all kinds of people. Because this is not a religion for, for one group. Like they teach you if you go to university, that you know if you're Asian, there's Buddhism. If you're in the Middle East, there's Islam. Then there's Europeans. It's like, like Jesus was from Frankfurt, Germany. No, this is not an ethnic religion. It's not a tribal religion. Jesus is the lamb who was slain for every tongue, every tribe, every nation, and every race. People from many nations will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain. I mean, let's talk about white people for a little bit. My mother's a white person. She's Polish in particular. She was raised Polish Catholic. Nobody was born again. You know, they went to Polish Catholic Church. The Bible was was a Polish Bible, and it wasn't even the Polish that was spoken. It was an antiquated form of Polish that no one could understand. So there's one Bible chained up behind the pulpit and, and, and somebody would read it and nobody got anything out of it. No, no, even the Polish people didn't know what they were talking about. It'd be like speaking Latin. Nobody spoke it. And so she went to church all the time, but she never got changed. But then she, got, she had an encounter with God in her bedroom. Her father died. There was a youth group passing out tracts in the mall. She took one, uh, thanked them kept shopping, went home, read the track, prayed the prayer, and she said it was like a light came into her room and she felt the warmth of God in her spirit. Comes down and tells her mother, Mom, I I just accepted Jesus in my heart. I feel so wonderful. To which her mother responded by holding her and patting her on the back and saying, there, there, everything's going to be okay. 
She thought my mom was having a nervous breakdown. First Christmas without her father. But no, my mom was saved. Then my grandma saw the change in, in, in my mother. And she said, when you find a church that, that you uh, uh, want to attend, let me know and I'll start going with you. My mom looked up in the, in the phone book for churches and because Assemblies of God was first in alphabetical order, she started going to an Assemblies of God church. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost. She went to Bible school and met my father who was from a Pentecostal family and now I've enjoyed this life because whether you're Polish or Ghanaian or Nigerian or South African or Costa Rican, you look all over the room. The Holy Ghost has gone and sounded the alarm that Christ died that you can be saved and delivered from all your problems. And that's not going anywhere. The Bible says, in the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be exalted higher than all hills. Where did, where did this move come last year to, to, to shut churches down? Anytime the devil knows what's coming, he tries to preempt it. He knew a deliverer was going to rise up to knock the Israelites out of Egypt and break Pharaoh's grip. So he goes to work killing all the boys that are born in Israelite homes ahead of time to stop what he knew God was going to do. He knew the Messiah was going to be born in Canaan. So he fills Canaan with giants so that, that, that the Messiah can't be born there. When that plan fails, he puts a king up that was wicked named Herod that ordered all the boys in the region of Bethlehem two years and younger have to be killed. All those plans failed. And now here we are where the devil knows in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. The, de the, devil, the devil knew that was coming. So he raised people up to make it illegal to come to church. But the same way those three plans failed, that one failed. And this year, God is packing out churches all over the United States with young people, middle-aged people, old people being healed, being delivered, being saved. This is not... This is not the end of your life. This is your finest hour. The devil doesn't get to write the final chapter of the church. This is our time, and this is our hour. If you believe that with me, take 30 seconds. Put those anointed hands together and give Jesus a mighty shout of praise. The devil is defeated. Jesus Christ is king of kings and Lord of Lords. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. The devil doesn't get to write your destiny. All these people making decisions like they can control your life, whether you're gonna be able to have money, whether you get to eat steak, they don't get to do that. God did not create people to be slaves and God did not create people to be controlled. You have a destiny that God has given you. He said in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plan I have for you, says the Lord. I, I could get happy just off that line. I know the plan I have for you. God has a plan for your life. God's not up in heaven waiting to see what the Senate passes or what the Federal Reserve decides. God said, I have a plan for your life. And if you, if you participate, I'll tell you what it is. A plan to prosper you. I don't believe in prosperity. Then I'd, I'd get far away from God because he believes in it. 
If God hates prosperity, he must be miserable in heaven. Gold streets, jasper fences, mansions, gates made out of a single pearl, plans to prosper you and never to harm you. What does it say in that translation? For I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace. Everybody say peace. peace. And not of evil. To give you a future. To give you a what? If we, don't, if we don't get this under control, many of us could die. God, watch that part. I ain't dying. I already made up my mind. The Lord has a future for me. He said in Psalm 91, I'll give you a long life. I'm 40 years old. 40 wasn't a long life in 1600, let alone now. I'm not dying anytime soon. I, I did my best. I tried to die. I traveled all last year, laid hands on everybody in April and May, all, all over the place. There's people here from those meetings. I got a friend in the second row came to watch me in northeast Pennsylvania. They had tape on every other row, and I walked and preached and kicked my hip into the tape, broke it. Everybody was wearing gloves and masks, just scattered. Worship on the first Sunday. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. You basically, I basically traveled around all last year and just had to drive the spirit of fear out of churches. You can't set an atmosphere for miracles, getting up and doing 10 minutes of announcements. Please don't talk to anybody. Please don't touch anyone. Obviously, we won't be serving communion during this time. Just shows you how much TV a lot of people that are in ministry watch. Because the virus didn't come out in March. It came, it's not COVID-20, it's COVID-19. Best they can tell, it got out in September of 2019. So how come you were still serving communion then? How come the blood of Jesus didn't lose its power till March? You watch the news too much. You know, I, it, I wonder how different people would be if they just stayed in the Bible. We have a friend in our family. He's an old evangelist. His name's Freddie Clark. He's 82. He's a mighty man of God. He's the guy, if you ever heard me talk about it, he'll call people out in his meetings to pray for him. He'll call out everybody by their first name. Mary, come here. The Lord shows me you have a mass in your lung. And then he'll like invisibly like take the mask and say, the mask and say, what do you want me to do with it? He'll throw it down and stomp it. There's like nothing in his hand. Then the person goes and gets checked. They're better. Some services, he'll call out 30 people to pray for him all by their first name. Because he just, he's a, he's a country redneck. He lives out in the woods in, in Virginia and just studies the Bible and prays. So he didn't even know there was any kind of emergency because he doesn't watch TV. So during March and April... He, he's, he's operating like he always did, just going around putting his tent up. So he calls my Uncle Ted and goes, how come, have you, have you been having the police come to your meetings? Because the last three places I went, the police came to my meetings and asked me what I'm doing. I said, what does it look like I'm doing? I'm preaching. And they said, you can't preach? And I said, what do you mean I can't preach? This is America. They told him that he's, you know, they tried to tell him there's a disease going around, but what does he care? Been disease going around. The guy's 82. He lived through other, other pandemics. Just, just kept putting his tent up. 
Listen to these pastors. I'm just waiting. We're, us and our board are waiting on the Lord to speak to us about when to reopen. He never told you to close, dummy. Jesus never told you to close. Jesus isn't the CDC. And the CDC is not the head of the church. People don't get sick in church. People get healed in church. Since when did churches start getting concerned about killing people? They've been killing people for years. Serving Aunt Mary's ham salad sandwich in the gymnasium with no air conditioning, laying out for four hours. Some gross water fountain that's been there since 1930 with like green stuff growing on it. We probably have killed some people. But the point is, we didn't blame ourselves. Amen. <laughs> they used to serve ham salad sandwiches at the ladies' meetings when I was growing up in church. It was served in the gym in the summer. Mayonnaise and ham left out in like 80-degree weather. That'll kill people. No one cared. Why did we start caring now? God gave his church power over the devil. Now, Jesus said, who takes a light and puts it under a bushel? So Satan can't stop the power of the church or the power of the Holy Ghost. He can only get the church to become ashamed of it or to shut itself down. Within 90 days of the church's shutting down in America, about 97% shut down. Within 90 days, the whole country was on fire. America went from a first world nation to looking like a third world nation in about 90 days when you stop church services. That shows you the light of the gospel in a nation dictates what happens to that nation. In fact, I'm going to tell you a story. When, I, when, when your pastor and I fought, did the same mode of operation and I had that big Easter service, uh, April, whatever it was, 11th or 12th of 2020, and CBS News picked it up and, you know, tried to paint me into some idiot that's trying to kill people. Well, it was all, all over the news in Pittsburgh. So what the devil meant for bad, God used for good. So my neighbors find out about me. I'm sure they were keeping their distance for two or three months when everybody was freaked out. But then once the, the fog cleared and people started to get their head on straight, I get, a, I get my doorbell rings, and it's my neighbor down the street who, who I've not talked to. She said, my daughter, this is what she said, I answered the door. This is in Pennsylvania, up in the Northeast. This isn't like 1960s Texas. This doesn't happen there. My uh, daughter has been unable to have children her entire marriage. She can't even get pregnant. They, they've done, uh, I think she said they did IVF three different times. It's failed every time. I've been watching you on YouTube. Well, when she, when she find out about me? I found out when they were running me down on the news, they checked me out, and then they just started watching me every night, watching the preaching. They're coming to visit tomorrow night. Would you lay hands on her and pray for her for her womb to come open? Yeah, I felt odd having her asking that because I still had my Xbox headset on because I thought it was the Uber Eats guy when the doorbell rang. Uh, I didn't really feel like qualified to pray for someone. I got some, while she's asking that, I got some gun in my ear. Get down, they found us. They're in the house. The sad part is, this is not a joke. 
I was 39 years old, mid-video game. So I said, sure, I'll come. So the next day, she rings my doorbell. They're here. So I come down, and I, uh, it's, it's, it's this lady, her husband, and then their daughter and her husband. So I, I didn't know. You know, this was still like May, so I didn't know how they felt about, like, you coming close to them or touching them. So I didn't, I didn't lay hands on her. I just said, uh, I talked to her a little bit. I said, you know, the thing that you want a child is uh, not some errant request. Of course, the Lord, the Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But I said, this isn't even like a desire of your heart thing. It's a covenant right. I said, all the, I, said if, I don't know how much you know about the Bible, but they, God is referred to all through the Old Testament as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I said, Abraham's wife was barren. Isaac's wife was barren. Jacob's wife was barren. They all had their children miraculously by the power of God. I said, and so that's our covenant. The Bible says that everything God promised Abraham belongs to us. So I just, I just gave her some word, you know, because the more word someone has, the more word there is, the better. Because God watches over his word to perform it. Another translation says God watches over his word to confirm it. Then the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. Praise God. So I didn't know how much word they had, so I gave, gave them a little. And she said, no, I've been, she said, my mother told me about you, and I've been, uh, it might have been mother-in-law, I, I've been listening to your podcast. She said, I'm ready. She lifted her hands. So I prayed from like five feet away. I said, I command this womb to come open in Jesus' name. I command you to carry your child to term and have a healthy baby in the name of Jesus. That was it. I don't pray long prayers. I'm from the Northeast. I'm sure there's some other people here that moved down to New York from the Northeast. Probably took you a while to get used to Southern people that when they say, how are you doing, they actually want to know. <laughs> no one answers that question once you get north of the Mason. You go, how you doing? Hey. So I pray like I get to the point with God. If you read that prayer that Elijah prayed, you must have been from the Northeast. Because when he called fire down from heaven, if you read that prayer slow, it takes about 15 seconds. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, do this this day to prove that you alone are God. Prove that you're the God that answers by fire. You don't get prayers answered by length of speech and multitude of words. You get prayers answered by the faith content in the prayer. And the word content in the prayer. Amen? Amen. Command your womb to come open. Carry the child to term. Have a healthy baby. In Jesus' name. Amen. I left. So then Adonis gets a message on Instagram a couple months later that they're pregnant for the first time in their marriage. Carry the baby to term. They have a grandchild now. Well, I brought that up because I think things started to click the, the, the father, or the, the grandfather, who's my neighbor, who I like a lot, he said, you know, I was doing some thinking. I was driving home. I, I got out of my driveway. I said, hey, hey, John, I've been doing some thinking. He said, I grew up near where that church is that you're going to open up. He said, when I was a boy, all of the churches were packed and all of the factories were packed. He said, now all those churches are empty and all the factories are empty. 
He made the connection. He said, when you open that church, my wife and I will be there every Sunday. He said, this is what America, you know, he's not, he's not a religious guy, which is why we get along. Those are the only people I don't get along with. Religious people with their pants pulled up just below their nipples. I know nipples is a borderline word to say in church, so I won't make a habit of it. Interesting connection that he made. People went to church. See, here's why they have to ban this book anytime they bring communism into a nation. Because it is impossible to read this book and feel like a victim. I was created. I don't care how I got on this planet. I'm created by God. I'm in his likeness. He made me in his class. The Bible says that. He created man last. And the Bible says... In his image and in his likeness created he them. That's why when I preached in India, I preached that and said, anytime you're looking at a God with more than two arms, you know you're looking at the wrong one straight away because we're made like him. Can you say amen? Can you say better amen? I'm made in his image and in his likeness. And the Bible says then, just with man, he blessed them and commanded them, be fruitful and multiply. So God gave man something no other thing has called creativity. We can create. You go to a zoo, they can could, they could put eight monkeys in a thing. They're going to just poop and eat. You're not going to leave monkeys in a thing and come back 14 months later and they've developed computer software. You don't go down the ocean and dolphins in the last 5,000 years have now found a way to build cities. Animals can't do that. We're different. I don't care what your biology teacher said. It took too much LSD in the 70s. We didn't come, we didn't come from lower forms. Because explain where the creativity came in. Where's the electric cars that were made by giraffes? Where's lithium batteries that were made by some other animal? That, that's in man because man was created by God. So if you don't teach people the Bible... They resort to the animal. They resort to the lower nature. They fight and have sex and eat and get drunk and sleep like animals. But if you teach people from the Bible that they didn't come from below, they came from God, then they rise to the God nature that's on the inside of every man and woman. Say it so the devil can hear you. I was created in the image of God. Say he made me like him. Turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. Verse 22. John 10, 22. It was now winter. So just picture it. Peter and John and Thomas had like snow hats on. And Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. He was in the temple walking through the, sec- the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I've already told you. You don't believe me. The proof is in the work I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. 
I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they'll never die. No one can snatch them away from me for my father has given them to me and he's more powerful than anyone else. Hallelujah. No one can snatch them from the father's hand. The father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, <laughs> you know, I like Jesus a lot. I like it, I like it more the more I read. Because it's funny to me that they picked up stones to kill him. He didn't take off running. He didn't start praying. He just sarc- like got sarcastic. <laughs> People picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I've done many good works. Tell me, which good work are you killing me for? They replied, we're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. For you, a mere man, claim to be God. Listen now Jesus answered. Jesus replied, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say ye are gods. I just want to see how I said in that translation. And you know that the scriptures can't be altered. In other words, I know you don't like that that's in there, but it's in there, so tough luck. <laughs> so if these people who, how many of you are from the Northeast originally? I had a feeling because you like sarcasm. <laughs> Normally it doesn't go over well in the South. And after all, so if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works. Everybody say miraculous works. I have done even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. So Jesus said, why are you have a problem with me saying I'm the Son of God when God, which is in Psalm 8 and Psalm 82, I say ye are gods and children of the Most High, where God said to those who received his word, I say that ye are gods. Now you've had lunatics preach on this that are stupid people, but that doesn't undermine what's in the Bible. John G. Lake, if you study his life, got a revelation on that verse that I'm in Christ. Now however you want to paint it, if you've got a problem with saying ye are gods, then going with the in, in, in him, in Christ teaching because it's the same thing. The Bible says when you're born again, you're in him. In him I live, in him I move, and in him I have my being. The Bible says Christ liveth in me the hope of glory. It's not you're taking one scripture. The teaching of Christianity is that when you repent and get saved, the sinner is not, it's not you. I mean, you know, we're all sinners saved by grace. Bull crap. I was a sinner. I got saved. The sinner is dead, and the me that now lives, the Bible says, is Christ in the flesh. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans 
There's going to be many people tonight that have the hand of God on their life for ministry. Your ministry is going to jump up 10 years in one night. Doors are going to come open. Money's going to flow. Crowds will listen to you in Jesus' name. Romans 6.1. This is the Apostle Paul. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin. We've what? Oh no, I thought, that's not what I read on Instagram from all the promoted posts from preachers. How I many you know we all have our battles, we all have our demons, we all have our sins? No, you need to buy a Bible that's got Romans 6 in it. Everybody say dead to sin. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? We had a lady, this last meeting I was at in New Mexico. My, my boyfriend drank every day. He tried to drink after he got saved, and when he tasted it, it tasted nasty to him. He actually thought he had COVID because of how it tasted. But the Lord took the taste for alcohol off of his tongue. God doesn't give you help to try to not sin. God destroys the power of sin and gives you power to live a holy life. Lift both hands all over this place. Whatever area the devil's tried to infiltrate and make you a slave of sin, those chains drop off of you permanently tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, let your amen be the loudest. Since we've died to sin. Everybody say, I died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus, we, we were what with Christ Jesus? What does it mean to be joined with someone? How I many you know he's great and we're nothing? That's not what joined means. Go back and take a fourth grade English class. How I many you know he's everything? We're just, we're just rotten to the core. No, you, you, smoke, you smoke crack or something. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. But say, I can live a new life. It's not the old you trying to live a new life. It's a new you living a new life. Since we have been united with him, we were what with him? There it is again. If you're united with somebody, you're one with them. Bible says these things were done so that we could become the sons of God. The son of a dog is a? The son of a cat is a? The son of a giraffe is a? The son of a man is a? The son of a God is a? Well, you said it, not me, so. Now, if you want to have a mental problem and start saying you're the savior of the world, you know, you got, you got demons in you. That's not what that means. What it means is we've been made like, even the Bible says God is our father. Christ is our elder brother. Brothers don't have different DNA. There's not one brother that's a human and another brother that's a cat. The Bible talks at length. I mean, you're not talking like three scriptures. It's all through. Galatians 3. Those that are in Christ have put on Christ like a new garment. It's no longer... Now, you think I have an easier job because I can quote Paul. But imagine being Paul and having to say that revelation and you're the only one that had ever said it. Listen how nuts this sounds. It's no longer I that lives, 
but Christ lives in me. If you heard a preacher saying that wasn't in the Bible, which with Paul wasn't in the Bible, he was saying it. He wrote it. I'm, not, I'm actually not alive anymore. Christ is the one who's alive. I'm going to go back to the Lutheran church. But that's what the Holy Ghost said. So religion tries to make you feel like it's you always talking about you as a sinner and weak and defeated. How I many know one day it'll be worth it? Though we struggle here. No, that's not the message of the gospel. It's not a message of struggling. It's a message of victory. Can you say amen? And I'm bringing this doctrine up because that's why. Now you think, if somebody hadn't taught this to me, then when some lady comes up to my door and knocks on it and says, Would you, my daughter is unable to have children. She's been to the IVF several times. It hasn't worked. Will you come and do something? I say, what do you want me to do? I'm not a doctor. I'm just playing video games. I'm a, if I had bought into religious teaching, well, I'm just a sinner, you know, I'm just a, I have my own problems. You know, I actually need prayer too. But when you, when you start getting the revelation, the grasp of God's word, it's that I've been joined with Christ and now not only am I going to heaven, until I get to heaven, I've been anointed and appointed to undo the works of the devil, frustrate the plans of hell, and set the captives free. That's what you're going to be doing from tonight, whether the devil likes it or not. If you believe it, shout, I receive it. And since we die with Christ, we know we'll live with him. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. To do what to it? So now, but, now he, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. Verse 11. So you, that means me and you. This is an order from the Bible. You should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin. You want to know what dead to the power of sin is? I'll tell you what it isn't. Or let me say it like this. Do you want to know what considering yourself, reckoning yourself, meaning how you see yourself? You should see yourself as dead to the power of sin. Do you want to know what that means? I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. How many know we all struggle with sin? Don't judge me because I sin differently than you. Those people are going to hell. I'm talking about teachers and preachers that preach like that. They'll go to hell. Because if you watch, I'm not saying they'll go to hell tomorrow. I'm saying if you watch, anybody that has that kind of doctrine, within 15 years, sin starts being revealed. Because whatever you make a place for with your words, it'll inhabit you. I'm not going to name names, but there's many famous preachers. I'm talking recent ones that are like young like me. And, and they were hip and cool. They were always talking like that. I mean, no, we all struggle with sin. you know. And then it came out. They were having sex with the new ladies that joined the church, multiple ones. See, when somebody has a soft spot for sin, there's a problem. Because the first thing the Holy Ghost does is, is number one, Christ destroyed the power of sin. Then he gave us the power of the Holy Ghost to live every day in victory over the flesh, over sin, and over the devil. Say it out loud. I'm not struggling with sin. I have victory over sin. That's right. 
And I'll, I'll add a couple more things in. Say, I have victory over my flesh. Say, I have victory over the devil. Yeah, I'm not trying to get victory over it. I have it. So when people talk the other way, they don't have Bible ground. There's not scriptures teaching that. That's American church that has ruined a generation of people that are all going to church, and if you get them, uh, uh, talk to them, uh, they're all battling stuff that they should have under their feet. Well, how do you get it under your feet? You get a revelation from God's word, I don't have to live like that. And I tell you a second time tonight, not one person is leaving here bound by sin. You're going to walk in the freedom that the blood of Jesus bought for you. Shout hallelujah. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin. Well, if the Bible tells you to do that, then you're not wrong to do it. Say out loud, I'm dead to the power of sin. And that's how you see yourself. They did a study that if people are trying to quit smoking, if people say I'm trying to quit when they're offered a cigarette, they have trouble quitting smoking. And the ones that have the best success are the ones that say, I don't smoke anymore. See, death and life's in the power of the tongue. And then according to Romans 6.11, how you see yourself matters. If you see yourself as a struggler, you'll be a struggler. If you see yourself as more than a conqueror, that's what you'll be. Then you say amen. amen. See, if you start getting a picture that as Jesus was, so am I in this world. As he is, so, so am I in this world. First John. As he is, so are we in this world. So that's how I see me. Not because I have like high self-esteem, although that will give you high self-esteem. I see that if somebody isn't able to have a baby and wants a baby and I'm joined with Christ, then the same way Jesus, if he walked into someone's house, the barren would become fruitful, etc. Cancer would shrivel up and die. That that should follow me. I was going to, I went to a barber, obviously a long time ago. I had this, pre, I had this preacher friend from Queens. He's an old Irish guy who was super sarcastic. If my hair was growing out like this, if he, he's in heaven now. If he saw me, he would have went, sorry to hear your barber died. I miss him. I went to a barber shop the early part of this year. And this lady, uh, her son was getting his hair cut. And he was like 10. And the barber kept asking the mom what, he wants, what she wants done. The kid, maybe 11 or 12. And I was thinking, why doesn't the kid answer? So then they end up, the mom says, you know, somebody asked, you know, how long has he been like that? Well, from, from birth, you know, he's never talked. And uh, I was actually getting ready to preach, which was why I was getting my hair cut. And I was meditating on this kind of stuff. And I, I started to get irritated because I thought, now, if, the stu- if that's true what the Bible says, and I believe the Bible, if I'm joined with Christ and he lives in me, if Jesus sat in this barbershop and that kid couldn't talk, I don't even think he'd have to pray or preach or anything. I think if Christ sat there, the because re- notice it doesn't say as he was, so are we in this world. It says as he is. Well, how is Jesus now? Eyes of flame of fire. Two-edged sword proceeds from the mouth. He's mighty. 
If he sat in that barber shop, I guarantee you that mom said he had severe autism and he's never spoken. I thought, if Jesus sat here, he'd start speaking. And I thought, well, I'm his brother. So I basically just thought on that. And then I released the anointing, and I don't mean to sound like a weirdo, but there are ways to release the anointing. Like, for example, there's a guy that our family is friends with who was an evangelist. I told this story last night, I think. If it wasn't last, it was in the morning. He was preaching in Maui, and if you've ever been to Maui in Hawaii, there's a lot of, like, uh, metaphysics people and crystal healers. You know, as we used to call them, fruitcakes. Anyway, he's having a coffee at a coffee shop in Maui with another pastor. The, the pastor's the one that told me the story. And he said, this guy comes in with crystals, you know, look, they have a look to him. And, he, and he, he comes in, and he goes over to the evangelist and says to him, um, do you, are you by any chance having back trouble? And he went, as a matter of fact, I am, which shocked the pastor because he was a faith guy, you know. And we don't talk, if you're a faith person, you don't talk disease. So he was surprised, A, that he'd say, I'm having back problems, B, that he'd tell that guy. And he said, would you mind? He said, I actually do crystal healing. Would you mind if I worked on you? He said, not at all. Well, the pastor's like, all right, who did I book? <laughs> so he said, he said, I'm going to put these crystals on your back. He puts them on his back. And he said, when he got ready to put them on his back, the evangelist looked across the table at the pastor and went like this. And then he went like this. When the guy was doing his back, and he said, the guy went, whoa, 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 and then ran out of the coffee shop and left all his crystals. And he said, that evangelist just started laughing. <laughs> just having fun with him. Greater is he who lives in me. So I was sitting there, and I released the anointing, and it, was, and it continued to, because I was getting irritated. I thought, this, there's no way Jesus would sit here, and this kid would just come in mute, leave mute. Well, then the kid speaks up and says something about that, what he wants with his hair, and the mom pops up. Oh, well, he has done that once or twice, but, and then he keeps speaking, and she keeps explaining it away which I'm not looking to sidetrack my sermon, but that shows you what, how important it is to have parents that know the Bible. Because if I had a kid that couldn't speak and they started speaking, I was like, well, I'd, I'd say, amen, keep it going, it's going. See, and that's the difference with you. What God begins tonight, it's not gonna get stomped out in the parking lot. You're gonna keep it going. You're gonna speak the word. He that began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Go ahead, take 30 seconds and clap your hands in advance. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. That revelation is basically the same way they wanted to kill Jesus. If you get into that, they'll want to kill you. Oh, he's one of those little God's people. No, I actually don't think I'm a little one. I'm joined to the big one. 
Now, without him, I'm nothing, but I'm not without him. Well, yeah, that's pride. You know, a dead man can't have pride. Doesn't have anything to do with me. Has to do with faith in the Son of God. That's what made him want to kill him. Jesus was saying all the time, I am from, you are from below, I'm from above. Now, what if you started thinking like that? See, all the trappings of trying to bring socialism into America starts with you believing you're a victim. There's people that think they're poor because of what Christopher Columbus did. If you think you're poor because of Christopher Columbus, you need therapy. If people can teach you you're a victim, they can take advantage of you the rest of your life. But the Bible doesn't teach that I'm a victim. The Bible teaches that I'm a victor. That I'm more than a conqueror, a champion in God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I grew up in a preacher's home, but many of you didn't. So if you identify as an abuse victim, former drug addict, I'm telling you, put all that to death. You might have used to be a, you're not a recovering alcoholic, you've recovered. You're a different person. The alcoholic is dead. The you that now lives is Christ in the flesh. That's what the Bible says. Christ in the flesh. Everybody say Christ in the flesh. In this place, did they, in the book of Acts, in this place did they first call them Christians, which means little Christ. Jesus laid his hands on the sick. What were they doing? Yeah, it's different than the rest of the religion. You're a Buddhist, everything's about Buddha. And if, oh, if he was still alive and follow his teachings. Muhammad, what Muhammad taught. But Christ, it's you have his power. He made you a partaker of his heavenly nature and of his glory. Having put off, having put off the corruption of this world. That's what the Bible says. And anybody that ever got a revelation of that had to get thrown out of their church and started a new denomination. And then within about another uh, uh, generation or two, they quit believing what the founder said. Whether it's A.B. Simpson, who started the Christian Missionary Alliance because he got a revelation on that in the realm of divine healing, the people that got a revelation of it in the realm of prosperity, Jesus commanding fish, Jesus giving a prophetic instruction that loaded commercial fishing boats with fish. He was a commander. Bensonita Hosa. That when he was born in Nigeria, there was 400 churches total in the entire nation, Protestant and Catholic combined. Then he gets a revelation. Starts lighting the place up. See, that, that revelation covers prosperity, covers healing, covers your thought life. You're not going to believe that you and Christ are one and his powers in you. I, I can't get to sleep tonight because my mind just races. Hey, mind, shut up or I'm going to sleep. I don't work for my mind. My mind works for me. I was telling somebody that the other day because they're, they're asking me questions along those lines in the ministry. You know, what do you do if you feel something in your spirit but your mind doesn't know how it's going to work out? I said, my mind... I don't, you know, my mind, how, how are we going to do it? I'm not asking you. you. You're an employee. You're not on the board of directors. My spirit's on the board of directors. 
You just figure out the best way to do what the Spirit says. You don't, you don't have veto power over my spirit. I have the mind of Christ. So it covers your mind. How many Christians? I mean, Americans eat 80% of the world's antidepressants. Everybody's depressed. But my mind, was Christ depressed? And Christ went to Capernaum but had to cancel his preaching because he felt sad. Verse 7. That's not in the Bible. No, Christ was full of joy. The Holy Ghost is a joy-giving spirit. Romans 14, 17. True religion is not meat or drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. We're starting a church. It's going to launch end of the year, beginning of 2022. So... I'm going to be an interesting pastor because I'm going to have very short counseling sessions. I battle depression. Stop. I have suicidal thoughts. Don't have them anymore. I feel angry. Quit it. I mean, that was all the advice you got up, up until about 1960 in America, no matter what was going on. Hey, snap out of it. I was abused when I was younger. Yeah, well, now you're big, so snap out of it. Because if you, if you just wallow around in your feelings all the time. See, a lot of people, they, 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 want, they want counseling, but it's just to, like, go over their problem. But if you want free, it's as easy as saying the name of Jesus. Whatever problem, and problems are real. I'm not making light of your problems. But Jesus is the burden bearer. And there's no burden that's too heavy for him to bear. He doesn't bear medium-sized burdens. And then if you got a real one, he's like, hey, now you're going to have to work that out yourself. He said, come unto me, all ye that are, all, how many? All ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest. You'll find what? For your soul. For my yoke is Jesus. and my burden is Jesus. these guys come and tell everyone that when they serve Jesus, life's gonna get easier. <laughs> yeah, you know why we tell people that? Because Jesus said it. Jesus didn't say, Come unto me, all ye that are having a great time, and I'll show you how miserable life can be. He said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. Everybody that's here that's troubled, that life has wearied you, you can come to Christ tonight. His miracle power will lift that heavy burden. It'll destroy that yoke of bondage. It'll set every prisoner free, and you never have to take a backward step. Stand on your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If I could talk to you one-on-one -on -one and ask you about what, what burden you're carrying, I could get a bunch of different answers. Leukemia is a burden. Waiting for test results to come back. Whether it's spread 
or stopped spreading or maybe the chemo took some away and it's starting to rescind. Wondering that, waiting for test results from your child. That's a burden. That's a heavy load that people weren't meant to bear. Sickness and disease is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. There wasn't any in the Garden of Eden. There wasn't one child cancer center in the Garden of Eden. There won't be any in heaven. There won't be any handicapped parking spaces in heaven. That stuff came from the devil, and Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. Anything you want to name, you can have. You can have a stable marriage. You can have children that serve the Lord, including their teenage years. Don't give the devil any. The Bible says give how much place to the devil? Don't give any place to the devil. Yeah, I see your daughter loves, loves you. Wait till she turns 14. Yeah, she, when she turns 14, she's going she's gonna to serve the Lord stronger than she does now. Yeah, I'm, not ta- I'm not having any back. I'm having, if Jesus paid for this covenant with his blood, then I'm going to have everything that he purchased for me. And in so doing, I'll glorify God. This world can do whatever crazy thing it wants to do. That's why I'm not worried about Joe Biden. I can't even order ice cream without note cards. He's an old man. He's just doing what he's told by higher powers. Klaus Schwab in Germany, head of the World Economic Forum, he doesn't control my destiny. I told you that story to tell you that story about Ben Hosa. They ran out of building supplies when he was building his big 17,000 seat church. And they didn't have, like what started to happen in America a few months back, my brother-in-law that works in construction told me it's starting to, to go away now, but there, there were backups in building materials. There was no lumber. There was no concrete in all of Nigeria. And they said, we're down to just this last bit of supplies. We're going to have to pause the building of the church. He pointed at the pile and said, supplies multiply. And they never ran out of supplies. Everybody say, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He made you like him. Sin robbed it from man in the garden. Christ restored it in the resurrection. You don't have to see what life gives you. You can tell life what to give you. And you say amen. And that's what the world needs. The world needs a crowd of people to come out of this meeting tonight that know who Jesus is, are convinced on the veracity of his word. I mean, I'll I'll be honest with you. If that lady would have come from down the street, asked me to open her daughter-in-law's womb, and I was like 25 and didn't know this stuff as good as I did, man, I'd have been younger than that. I might say, well, I'll pray, but, you know, ultimately it's up to God. Then you find out in the Bible, if God said something that's not actually up, if he already declared what his will is, you don't have to say, well, ultimately, you know, God has the final say. Yeah, he did have the final say, and he already said it, so read. 
I mean, I read it, and I hate reading. I get sleepy. But this I read, because I want to know what God said. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God's not up in heaven making up his mind about healing. He already made up his mind. The leper came beseeching him in Matthew 8, 1 to 3. Lord, I know if you want to, I know if you want to, he wasn't sure about God's will. I know if you want to, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus said, I want to. Be thou made whole. And when Jesus answered that leper, he answered anybody that has a question because Acts 10.34 says, God is no respecter of persons. He won't do one for one thing and not for another. He'll save anybody that has faith to be saved. He'll heal anybody that has faith to be healed. He'll prosper anybody that obeys his commands for prosperity. Say it out loud. My life's not up for grabs. Democrats don't determine my life. Republicans don't determine my life. The Federal Reserve doesn't determine whether I'm going to have a prosperous business or not. My life is in my hands. It's not in God's hands. God already said what he wants. So it's up to you. That's why the Bible says the church I just got back from in New Mexico was named Choose Life Church. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Today I have set before you life and death. Blessing and curses. Oh, that you would choose life that you and your descendants might live. You and, and your descendants. That's, that's the part I didn't really care about until I'm, I'm 40 now. And then now I realize that when one person starts deciding to go that way, it makes an easy road for their children. There's a big difference having a dad that teaches you how to roll a joint and a dad that teaches you how to pray the prayer of faith. Amen. Amen. A broke, you might have come from a broken home, but a broken home doesn't have to come from you. Amen. However it was before tonight, things will be different from now. Amen. However your life was before tonight, it'll be different from now. I was going to give an altar call, but let me do something first. This lady in the nice sweater, you mind if I pray for you? Just step out of the aisle, lift both hands, close both eyes. I was getting ready to give an altar call, but the power of God's on you right now. You are healed now in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. What I was getting ready to say before that lady interrupted me is everything starts with making a choice to live for Jesus in a world that mocks Christ, in a world that mocks righteousness. You make up your mind, I'm going to live a holy life. We used to sing a song growing up in church. I know the Lord will make a way for me. I know the Lord will make a way for me. If I live a holy life, shun what's wrong and do what's right. They leave that part out of a church these days. It says, oh, God, God, understand. No, you make up your mind that you're going to walk a different path. If I live a holy life. You know, it's interesting. Without me ever preaching on how you need to be married and not live together, that couple got saved in those revival meetings and then scheduled to get married today. I never mentioned it. Didn't feel right anymore sleeping in the same bed unmarried. 
They realize they're out of covenant with God. You got to live a holy life. Lester Summerall said everywhere he preached, and he preached in every country and territory of the world, anytime they preached to, to places where the people didn't wear clothes, after the first service, they all came back the next service with clothes on, and they never mentioned anything about clothes. The Bible gave them dignity. You're not trailer trash or a hood rat. You're supposed to be God's son, God's daughter, and you carry yourself like it. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight, firstly, if you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, Maybe somebody invited you tonight and said, you need to hear this guy. I really like him. They were talking your ear off about me. And so finally, just to get him off your back, you came. But I want you to get saved tonight. And then secondly, if you want to serve the Lord, but the pressures of life made you fall away from God. Maybe over the last 18 months with all this lockdown stuff and uh, just this darkness that crept over the planet. You turn to things that the Bible calls sin to deal with it. Alcohol. You know, it's, it's actually starting to get to the point where you could go to hell and never break one law. You know, pretty soon all the drugs will be legal. They made weed legal. Soon, they, soon they'll do synthetic heroin. Because the government doesn't want anybody getting money but them. So you can do everything legal and still go to hell. God hasn't changed one thing in his book. You can't sleep with people you're not married to. The Bible calls it adultery and says anyone, or sexual immorality. And any, anyone who practices sexual immorality shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There's no parentheses after that until 2006. Then it's do what you want. You have to live holy. Be ye holy even as I am holy. So if you never have made a commitment to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior and receive him as, as your Lord, or B, you once did, but if you were honest with me, you're not living on fire for God. You're not living a holy life. You fell away from God. Maybe somebody died in your family and it just shook you and the devil used that to drive a wedge between you and God. Obviously, the Lord has you here tonight to call you back to himself while there's still time and there's not much time left. This is a great night. Think how nice it'll be. Lay your head on your pillow tonight and know I have peace with God. My sins are all forgiven. If you're here and you've never done that or you once did it and you fell away and you want to come back to the Lord tonight, I want you to put your hand up high right now and I'm going to pray with you in Jesus' name. Put your hand up high. I can see you. Who else? I see you on the side. Who else? I see you up front. I see you. There's more. Praise the Lord. Very quickly, I want you to do what I did with a few hundred people these last three weeks. It's, my, it's the thing I actually enjoy the most, not just in the ministry, in life. I want to pray with you. I want you to, those of you who lifted your hand to come and join me at the altar right now, I'm not going to keep you a long time. We're just going to pray, but come right now. Those of you with more boldness, come first. It'll help those that are a little more shy. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Every hand that was lifted, if your friend lifted their hand, you can come together, but come, don't stay in your seat. We're going to pray. Anybody else, if you lifted your hand, come forward. This is your time. Come right to the front. In Jesus' name.
Lift both hands to the Lord. Say these words after me, but they're not, it's not a recital. There's, there's a real God that hears this prayer. It's just that some people have never prayed. So I'm going to give you the words to say, but say them from your heart to God. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. Forgive me of all my sin. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is my Lord, is my Savior, is my King. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am forgiven. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. I'll never turn back. In Jesus' name. Let me pray. Let me pray. Let me bless you now. I bless you in the name of Jesus. Every obstacle that's in your path, the Lord clears it out of the way. In Jesus' name, things will get lighter from here. Life won't be hard anymore. In Jesus' name. Be blessed in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Lord, and I give you praise. Hey, before you go back to your seat, real quick. Welcome to the family of God. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. I'm here two more services. Tomorrow morning at 10.30 a.m. God bless you for not being 9.30. And uh, 6 o'clock at night. So I'd love to have two more, two more services with you. Really love you. Welcome to the family. You can return to your seat. Give them a great big hand clap. Give Jesus a great big hand clap. I've never done this in 20 years, but I'm going to do what I felt in my spirit, and this is not going to be how we close the night, and this isn't some subversive way to get new partners. I want every, everyone that's a partner with this ministry to quickly line straight across the front, shoulder to shoulder. I'm going to lay my hands on you. You're going to have the best four and a half months in your business and family that you've ever had in your life. Shoulder to shoulder, straight across the front. Then I'm going to pray for more people. So this is not if you're not my partner, you don't get prayed for. There's, there's a lot of people that, that drove and I want to help. Before I pray for my partners, pray for another person. Maybe they left. Oh, no. This lady here. I was looking for you. Lift both hands right there. Hand of the Lord's upon you. Did I not say, saith the Lord, that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for me, for they will be filled? You here. Lift both hands. There's been a hunger that's risen up in your spirit for the things of God. The Lord's going to touch you tonight. You're never going to be the same. You're going to serve the Lord with all your heart, and it'll be the easiest thing in the world. I just feel like maybe earlier on you didn't have what you have now, but you've just been desiring God. That's the Lord drawing you to himself. You're going to have a, the second half of your life is going to be markedly different than the first half. Amen? Let me see your hand. Be blessed. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, if I pray for you and you feel yourself start to fall, please let go of my hand because I need them. 
Lift both hands right across the front. This isn't a game. As you've committed to advance the kingdom of God and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to your generation, did the Lord not say that if you sought first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things would be added unto you? The Lord's going to begin to pile blessings upon everything that pertains to you in the name of Jesus. Whatever your best year has ever been in business or ministry, you're going to surpass it in these next four and a half months. In Jesus' name, increase and overflow. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name. I thank you for it and I give you praise. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Increase and overflow in every part of your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, Lord, and I give you praise. Just lift your hands all over the room. Begin to thank God out of your own mouth. Oh, you sound good, man. You don't normally hear a volume of praise come up like that in America. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, I tell myself, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all my sins and heals all my disease. He ransoms my life from death. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, Sunday night, I'm going to lay hands on everybody that's in the building. But tonight, I'm going to do things a little different. Everybody in this section, lift both hands to the Lord. I'm going to minister like I do if I'm at a big meeting overseas or outside in the United States. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Two things. Number one, any sickness or disease, I command it to be healed. And two, that lady I prayed for in, uh, in my neighborhood, she wasn't sick. She couldn't have kids. So anything that's wrong in your body that would prevent you, that isn't functioning right, you're not sick, but you've got an organ that's not working, in the name of Jesus... From the top of your head to the sole of your feet, be whole in Jesus' name. Be every whit whole, every disease in the sound of my voice. I commend you to drop out of everybody now. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody in this middle section, lift both hands to the Lord. Stand up here. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, I loose the fire of the Holy Ghost. Burn out every unclean thing in your blood, in the organs of your body. I command your heart to become strong. I command your blood levels to be normal, your blood to be clean. In Jesus' name, receive it now. In the name of Jesus. This couple with the loving God, loving people, step out into the aisle if you would, shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands, close both eyes. 
as you do, the fire of God comes on you even stronger. In Jesus' name. The Lord extends your life. The Lord strengthens your body. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. There it is. You'll never be the same from tonight. Healing belongs to you. Hallelujah. The second middle section, lift both hands to the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for healing power. I thank you for miracle working power. I thank you for paying the price on Calvary. That not only could we be healed, but we could take that power to whole nations. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I loose that power into your body now. In Jesus' name. Everything that's not of wholeness, everything that's not of health, it leaves your body now permanently. In Jesus' name. This lady here with the, right in front of me, lift both hands even higher, close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. You, yep, you. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. These two guys that I'm going to need a stepladder to lay hands on you, step out into the aisle if you would. Lift both hands, close both eyes. I tell you this from the Lord. Obviously, the Lord's gifted you. You actually have several things you could excel in and make a bunch of money. And the people that you're around often don't live holy. But you both made a decision that you were going to live for the Lord. And God knit you together to strengthen each other and encourage each other. I tell you, the Lord is pleased with your decision. And from this night, things will be different. You will be used mightily of God. You will be used mightily of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I already prayed for you one time. Let me see your right hand. Put your left hand where your heart and lungs are. The Lord restores both of your lungs and restores your heart. In Jesus' name. My favorite couple back here. Come right out. Nice to see you guys. Just stand shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands. Close both eyes. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. I'm going to tell you right now, your whole community, the ones up in Jacksonville, God's going to bring a mighty revival to those people. What you've prayed for for your people, you thought it was going to come in one way and it didn't. It was frustrating, but the Lord's going to send it in another way. And all your prayers are going to be answered. There'll be, there's going to be a several year period in that community where people are touched and changed by the fire of God. It's going to be the happiest period of your life as you watch all your prayers answered in Jesus' name. 
in the name of Jesus. You mind if I pray for you? I was just asking because you look kind of Italian. I don't know if you had like a son that could make me disappear. Lift both hands. Keep your right hand up. Put your left hand where your belly is. The Lord heals you underneath your hand. In Jesus' mighty name. Praise the Lord. Congratulations. Enjoy. This lady here in the nice flower top, it says Spain on it. Lift both hands, close both eyes. Take one hand, put it where your heart is. The Lord strengthens your heart. Your, no, I don't mean your spiritual heart, I mean your actual heart. It's going to pump the blood to the rest of your body. That'll clear up a bunch of other things. Here's a message from Jesus. As you served me in your youth, as you gave me the strength of your youth, I'll give you a harvest of my physical strength in your old age. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. That's it. If you're 30 or younger, remember that. If you give God the strength of your youth, he'll give you his strength when you're old. I know I gave him mine. That's my dry cleaner. Hallelujah. Don't forget to say hi when you're famous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus loves you. Let me see your right hand. Your right hand. Put the other one where your heart and lungs are. Put this one where your lower belly is. Lord heals you. All the vital organs of your body. There it is. Nothing that's trying to sit in on you will ever sit in on you. You're healed. In Jesus' mighty name. Love you guys. It's going to have a healthy, 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 healthy. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Mind if I pray for you? Lift your other hand to the Lord. God's going to give you a brand new bloodstream. And he's going to lengthen your life. The hand that you have up to the Lord, put it across your heart and lungs. Any damage to your heart, the Lord heals it, and then the Lord's going to give you two brand new lungs. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for sending angels to help my friend here, to protect him, to strengthen him, and to encourage him. You're not going to die. You're going to live. In Jesus' name. I know in my spirit the devil tried to take your life three different times. But God spared you. The devil's not going to have you. The Lord is going to put his hand on you right now, and you're going to serve the Lord. In Jesus' name. I'm glad you came. God bless you. Thanks for coming. Love you so much. Everybody out in the lobby here, lift both hands to the Lord. I'll leave the mic in here because I heard it.
be blessed. In Jesus' name. Give Jesus a great big hand clap all over this place. Come on, give Jesus a great big hand clap. Hallelujah. Your best days aren't behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. All the ladies in the second row, come come out. Shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands, close both eyes. There are, there are ushers here? Are there more out there? That weirdo in the yellow shirt in the lobby, throw him out of the meeting. It's better to throw weirdos out ahead of time than find out why they're there. Amen? I've been doing this 20 years, trust me. Lift both hands all the way up. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. Hallelujah. And for the rest of the time here, if there's anybody with their arms crossed in the lobby mumbling demonically to themselves with angry eyes, kick them out. Amen? Every, everybody's welcome to come to church, but you got to participate. Can't go sit out in the lobby and be weird. Amen? Praise God. Every hand lifted all across this place. What is there left to pray for? You receive the victory of God tonight. Now, we come into Sunday. It's, gonna, it's the first day of a new week. This is going to kick off not only the best week you've ever had, this is going to roll into the best four and a half months you've ever had in Jesus' name. The blessing of the Lord will overtake everything that pertains to you. Say it out loud. I am healed. I am blessed. I am saved. I have victory. I'm not going down. I'm going up. No more ups and downs. Just ups and ups. From glory to glory. Victory to victory. And strength to strength. That's what I am. That's where I'm going. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord one more mighty hand clap. Oh, it's going to be a good weekend. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The devil is defeated. The devil's getting ready to have a bad year. The church is on the move. 
Hallelujah. Let me pray for these two ladies here. Both have black t-shirts on with graf- uh, graphics. Mind if I pray for you? Come right up. Was there a, a guy sitting with you too? He's gone or here? Ah, let me pray for all three of you. Just stand shoulder to shoulder. I don't know how you all know each other, but I tell you, the hand of the Lord's upon you. God is going to bless you. And you're already blessed. And you've already done well. But I tell you, these final four and a half months of this year will be the greatest four and a half months you've ever known. You're going to have so much fun enjoying the blessing of God. Give the Lord one more mighty hand clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a great church. What a great church. What great people. What a great state. Hey, pray with me in your, in your private time that before I leave, I'm leaving in like eight days because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in Cocoa Beach next weekend. I want to see, uh, I was going to call him Brother DeSantis. I ain't going to call him Brother DeSantis. I want to see Brother DeSantis before I leave. I want to tell him that I love him and that Jesus loves him. Amen? He's a good guy. He's from Pittsburgh. His, his grandparents are. Amen? So tomorrow at 10.30, we're going to pick up where we left off. And uh, then Sunday night is the final night. That's going to be a miracle service. So, and I'm going to lay hands on everybody. A lot of times we'll just move, we'll do it in the parking lot. So if it's, if it's not raining, we'll do it outside. If it's raining, we'll figure something out. So these next 36 hours are going to be the best 36 hours you ever had. Amen. How many of you were blessed tonight? Don't tell Pastor Rodney that I finished before 9.30 or he'll think I'm half backslid. Tell the person next to you, congratulations, you can be seated. I'm going to receive an offering. Then I'm going to leave you alone for about 13 hours. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me before we receive the offering. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Has this ever happened in Florida before? It started here. here, That's true. Ephesians 6, 8. Ephesians 6, 8. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, 
the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Knowing this, whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Say this out loud. What I make happen for others, God makes happen for me. Whatsoever good any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. I told this story yesterday that um, the church I grew up in, the pastor, the pastor uh, that took the church, it had about 38 people when he took it, and he grew it to an 800-seat auditorium that had two, uh, two services on Sunday. So they had a board meeting because he was getting into his 50s, and he lived in the church parsonage. And, uh, you know, if he wanted to retire, he wouldn't have owned a home or anything. So they wanted to sell him the parsonage. He was interested in buying the parsonage, and the church was going to sell it to him. So at the business meeting, they had a meeting about how much they were going to sell the pastor the church parsonage for. And my father stood up in that meeting and said, when Pastor Volk came here, you won't hear an evangelist say this much, but you can turn my mic down a little bit. The, the, my dad said, when Pastor Volk came here, this church had 38 people. It now has over 1,000 people, and it has millions of dollars in the bank. And we're going to have a discussion about how much to sell him the parsonage. Why don't we give him the parsonage? Well, Pastor Volpe was a very, like, dignified, classy man. He said, I'm going to excuse myself from the meeting. And he did. And then the church voted, and they voted unanimously to gift him that home. That was when I was 10. When I was 16, we lived in Maine. And my dad got a call one day from a lady that said, the Lord spoke to me to give you my home. That home's about 5,000 square feet, seven acres in a town that nobody has more than an acre. A quart, you know, tenth of a mile driveway. My dad loves white-tailed deer. There's a breakfast room with all windows, and there'd be white-tailed deer feeding there every morning. It was like the Lord, it was like a custom home for my dad. When my dad went and got the keys and the title from the lady... The Lord spoke to him and said, do you remember when you took a stand to give that home to your pastor? When you made a decision to do that for him, I made a decision to do that for you. So Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, the same will he receive from the Lord. Everybody say, from the Lord. Jesus said, if you only do good to people who can pay you back, you're no different than the heathen. But if you do good to people who you know can't pay you back, then your Father in heaven will reward you. So my dad didn't do that to Pastor Volpe and then say, now remember I did that when you, you know, send me some money and buy me a house one day. Didn't come from there. That's where people get frustrated. They help someone and then they expect that person to help them back. But if you'll do it the Ephesians 6-8 way, what you make happen for others, God keeps the record and God makes it happen for you. So when we receive offerings, you know, like what, what, what does giving make happen? This, the pastor of this church is such a nice guy. You know, he understood that those meetings got extended for three weeks because we were in revival and agreed to have Adonis kick the meeting off. I, I told him, I said, I don't know if you ever heard my wife preach, but I'm not like stiffing you. I'm not like sending my wife and she actually can't preach. She's actually very good. So, and he, he allowed. But to think, to think that the day would come that I could charter a plane from New Mexico to Apopka for my wife on Thursday, and then me 
us simultaneously preach last night. Her hold that great meeting here. Us do that closeout in New Mexico where we probably had the largest altar call last night of the three weeks, which is a good way to cap it off. That's what giving does. And it's close to God's heart. So when you make that happen, what are you making happen when you give? The message that changed your life. You're sending it to other people. And what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. That's why offerings are so powerful. Because you're not supporting a charity. You're not helping keep Big Bird on the air. You're sending the, you're actually participating in the thing that's the closest to God's heart, which is lost men and women hearing the gospel and being saved. And when you make that happen for other people, you, I mean, it all ties back in. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you what? They kind of they taught giving like this when I was growing up. They taught it basically like you live on less so that the gospel can go out. But it doesn't work like that. Because the Bible says when you give, you shall what? And does your same gift come back to you? No, it comes back pressed down, shaken together and running over to make room for more. It's actually not possible. Like I had the, some of you have heard me tell the story before. I had a drunk lady in first class when I was flying one time. She goes, uh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. And she got mad. A preacher sitting in first class? She said, I thought you people were supposed to give all your money away to the poor. I said, I've been trying to give all my money away. It keeps coming back. And that's the truth. If that law of sowing and reaping was a lie, I'd be sleeping on a park bench. Because I've tried to give myself broke. Can't do it. You can't do it. Brother Shambach used to sing, you can't beat God given no matter how hard you try. When you give, your gift comes back to you. Pressed down, shaking together and running over. I want to challenge you to ask the Lord what he'd have you to give and to think big and not small. I'm going to make a move when I go back home. I've got to find a channel that will accommodate me. But I'm going to preach on end time Bible prophecy on national television for a solid week. I got to work it out because I don't have my own channel yet. So some channel is going to have to clear people off and let me on. Costs about $17,000 a night. I think two people have already taken care of a night. So if you want to take care of a night and do 17K, uh, there's a target for you. If you say, I can't do 17,000, I understand. 15 is fine. <laughs> We're not going to make a big deal about it. But I'm uh, just give you different targets. And then anybody that does 1,000 or more, I'm going to send you our Revival Today Kingdom Builder Bible. New King James, leather, and then in the back it's got a bunch of pictures from our first 20 years in evangelism. You're not buying a Bible. I'm not selling Bibles for $1,000. I'm saying thank you. I wanted to give you something nice for standing with us as we build the church, go on TV, and do everything else we're doing. And let you know I don't take your giving for granted. God doesn't take your giving for granted. Money's precious because money represents the best of you. It took the best of your time. If you go to like some churches, they say, well, some people give of their treasure. Some people give of their time. Some people give of their talent. But money is all three of those things wrapped into one. Because it took the best of your time and the best of your talent to produce the money. That's why even though it's just paper with ink on it, it's like difficult to let go. Because it's what it is. 
didn't, didn't come into your hand for free. And God knows that. So when you take it, you're giving the best of you and putting the kingdom first. And when you do that, he said, bless uh, Matthew 6, that when you seek first the advancement of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things, anybody say all these other things. Basically, all the other stuff people are running around, killing themselves, trying to get, I'll just add them unto you. We had an eight-year-old boy in one of our meetings had saved up money to go to an NFL game. He saved up $350 to buy an NFL ticket at eight. Pretty impressive. And when he heard the offering, he told his dad he wanted to give all the money he saved to buy a football ticket and give it uh, in the offering. So he brought it into the Sunday night service in a Subway sandwich bag, clear plastic, all the, all the cash and change, and put it in. And he told his dad, I'd rather people get to hear about Jesus than me go to a football game. But guess what? He got a call on Monday, the dad did, from one of his friends at school's dad. He said, I work for such and such a company, and we have a corporate box at, um, where do the Steelers play? Used to be a three river, Heinz Field. We, we have a corporate box at Heinz Field, and uh, I tell my son he gets to pick one friend to take with him to the home games. And my son wants to take your son. So he didn't get to go to one game. He got to go to all eight home games and not in the nosebleeds in the corporate box with an all-you-can-eat buffet. Because what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. And when that kid gave that and that happened, I could tell stories like that all night. God basically, when you put his kingdom first, the thing that you're saving up for, <laughs> he'll, he'll give you so much of it, it'll make you, make you want to puke. Amen? Amen? I bet you by game seven, that kid was like, I don't really want to go to a game today. <laughs> I want to stay home. What you, what you thought you'd get to do once, Lord will open up for you to do so much you don't even want to do it anymore. Can you say amen? amen? He's a good God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I thank you for every giver tonight as they give into the work of the Lord. I pray that you'd destroy any debt of any kind that still remains in their life. Student loan, mortgage, anything else. Same way you grace this church to pay off all their debt. Let that grace come upon every giver tonight in Jesus' name. And then secondly, open a door for them. The kind they thought they might be able to open if they played all their cards right in 20 years or so. I pray you'd do it before the end of the year. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com from our YouTube channel to our podcast to our SoundCloud and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages and it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407 955 5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.